Yeah, we got him last night. I said, sit down. I thought, nobody's jumping up tonight. This is good. I'm going to keep rolling. And you got me. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't. I'm okay with it. Because I, I can, man, it's so clean. You can tell when people are honoring Jesus in someone's life. It's, it's a different thing to honor a person. You can go extreme with honoring a person. It's, listen, I said it last night. Nobody has a thing unless it's been given. There's no boasting in that. Nobody has a thing unless it's been given. Now, you can honor how people use what's been given. You can thank them for their time with Jesus, their relationship with Jesus, and the way they steward their gift. But it's all from him. Amen? Amen. Amen. Christ gives gifts to men, so it's really, really good. The Bible says we're anointed. He's anointed our heads and our cup runneth over. I want you to see that. It's, it's not just some gifted people out there. It's not just five-fold ministry. We're the body of Christ, people. If you've been born again, if you believe in Him, if you've confessed sin and said, ask God, please forgive me, and I, I just want to give you my life and live in your name. and He's anointed our head, our cup runneth over. We're the body of Christ. Everybody in this room is qualified through the blood. He died once for all. There's, there's no high place. There's no low place. Every mountain's brought down. Every valley's lifted up. This isn't hype. It's not motivational speaking. Listen, there's, there's, everyone has the same value to God. He might use people different, but everyone's worth the blood of His Son. Don't ever forget that. The price tag is the same on every head. The price tag isn't the same in Walmart. Because there's different value on the shelves. There's different product. There's different value. The price tag is the same on every head. Every head demands the blood of Jesus Christ. Why? Because all the value is the same. Why? Because it's all about His image being restored back in a man. It's not about if you're a missionary, a pastor, a worship leader, child care. It's not about if you're a street preacher, taking care of the homeless. It's the image of God. Every man carries the value of manifesting who he is. Yeah? Hope you're excited about that. Because I am. Because when you believe that, you won't get beat down by life. You won't believe wrong things. You won't let life speak louder than truth. You won't let what people said or what people didn't say decide who you are and how you are. But this one truth called the gospel will decide your value and set your feet in stone. You'll be rooted and grounded in love, and you'll be planted firmly on the rock. Are you with me? Come on. I mean, I don't care if one person needs that vitally tonight. Don't you live beat down. Don't you believe you're insignificant. Don't you believe the lie. I've seen people do that and say all that just to draw weird attention to themselves. I'm not talking about that. That's an issue in itself. I'm, I'm talking about you actually believe that and you don't see your significance. You have to look. A young man said this morning, what's a practical example to see my value? It's Christ crucified. You don't find your value anywhere outside of Jesus Christ. Amen. If you're looking for your value anywhere outside of Him, you're going to be deceived. and You're going to ride for a moment. You're going to be let down. People might change their mind. You'll change your mind. People that find their value through what they do are only as good as it's going and how they're doing. People that find their value through their ministry are only going as good as their ministry's rolling. And then they live highs and lows and we think it's normal and heaven doesn't understand. It's not highs and lows. Jesus isn't up and down. 
He's, he's not excited one day and sitting moping another. I do this illustration, people get a kick out of it, but it's true. Like, when did you ever read in your Bible where Jesus is just sitting in the morning early on the Mount of Olives, just kind of bummed? And Peter comes and nestles up beside him. Good morning, Lord. Hey, bud. What's the matter, Lord? Didn't you sleep well? Didn't sleep at all. Was up all night, just praying. Well, you just don't seem yourself. Just cut me a break, man. You know, I just ain't feeling it, all right? I got a lot on my mind. You guys don't have a chapter in your Bible anywhere? <laughs> Got a lot on my mind, man. Look, I'm just realizing how people don't appreciate me. And, I mean, they're so needy. They just want what I can give them. They don't want what I say. They want their bellies filled. They could care less about what I'm saying. They just want their need met. And I'm just, I'm having trouble with this, man. And today they're all going to throng me. Jesus, Jesus. And I'm just not sure I can handle it, man. I'm not sure I'm heading out there. I might just hang back. I might, you know. John, hey, John. No, not today. Stop. No. I'm not feeling it, John. Stop. In fact, I'll tell you what. You come here. Yeah, come here. You ain't got that chapter in your Bible? You don't have Jesus like having a little fallout? So you never saw Jesus like that in his word. So then Jesus never taught us that. So where would we get it? And why do we think it's so normal? Because it's all we've ever known. But we were born into Adam, and I thought we were born again. I thought old things passed away and all things became new. I thought we're not conformed to the world, but we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. That's what I thought. <laughs> you all good? Let's make sure we don't bring new wine and try to put it in old wineskins. You put new wine in an old wineskin, of course it'll burst into new wine and spill it out. You've got to put new wine in a new creation. You've got to put new wine in a new mindset. Ain't it something that we never saw Jesus like that? And he had a thousand reasons to be like that in the practical and natural. And you could think he's just in denial and stuffing feelings and pressing through. <laughs> or you could say, well, it's because it's Jesus. And miss the whole point. It's because it's love. Because if it's Jesus, you can't follow that. But if it's love, you can become that. Oh, man. We just pray and go home. I'm telling you, I feel good. I feel done. I'm done. I'm done, man. I'm kidding. I'm so far from done. <laughs> I'm never done. Ever. <laughs> I've never been done. I just stop. Because of time. <sighs> you ought to live inside of me for a moment. <laughs> I preach to myself all the time. I'll preach to a tree if nobody's around. I'll be like, dude, you're awesome. You're so unique. Like, nobody's quite like you. I'd wave my branches too if I were you. Come on, worship. <laughs> no, I just preach to myself. My mind's going all the time in God. My heart, the Word, Scripture. I just, 
You know what's awesome about that? There's no time for anything else to creep in. You're not going to get snuck up on. Nothing's going to sneak up on you. Nothing's going to take advantage of you and lie to you and sell you cheap because you're not for sale. It's beautiful to keep your heart fixed on Him. It's beautiful to fill your heart with the Word of God. Come on, I said it to the men this morning. Your mind's never still. You never. You always say, well, we always say, well, we have this one quiet time. We're just going to do quiet time. We're going to soak a little. But when you're soaking, your mind's all over the place if you're not learning to fix on Him and filling your heart with Him. I just preach to myself. I look in the mirror and I'm thinking about things in God and Scripture. And it's just fun, man. I learned that nothing's going to sneak up on me. Somebody could say the wrong thing, and I'm not going to hear the wrong thing. Somebody could treat you wrong, and I'm not going to feel treated wrong. Like, I'm just ready. Really? I'm ready. The, the gospel does it, man. It, it aligns your motives. It, it makes you like Jesus. It never gives you permission to be here because he was never here. And I don't care if every man was ever here. I don't care if every man's always been here. I don't care if the most people you most respected have lived here. We're not following them. We're not following that. We're following him. And if he was never here, then I'm done giving myself permission and finding a reason to be here when he's never here. When you're here, you're not shining. And when you're not shining, you're not living what he paid for. That's not condemnation. It's just simple truth. The foolishness of God, whatever that means, is wiser than men's wisdom. Christ Jesus has become the wisdom of God for us. We have so many justifications for this seat that I demonstrate. I never once saw Jesus sit in. I was born into this seat. This seat trained me. This seat taught me. But now I'm born again. And he said, you have one teacher. Don't let anyone teach you. You have one. That narrows it down. And he's the Christ. Ain't that something? He said, don't let many of you be teachers. There's a stricter judgment. So you only have one teacher, so don't let many of you be teachers. Well, maybe we shouldn't have any teachers because, no, he's not saying that. What he's saying is if there's a teacher, make sure he's teaching Christ. And if he's not teaching Christ, then why would you listen? It's, it's Christ. Don't get off track. Don't get things that, I love that song. I, there's nothing wrong with blessings, but God just blesses because it's who he is. You, you, don't, you don't have to go seeking blessings. Blessings is in knowing him. Seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things are added unto you. What's that mean? Full vats and barns? No. Everything necessary to walk out why you're here and why he's in you. It's the freest place you'll ever be. When you deny yourself and pick up your cross and follow him, you'll understand freedom for the first time in your life. Because when there's self Focus, self-conscious, self-centeredness. There can't be total free. You become in bondage to your own perspective. You become in bondage to your own view. When you think for yourself, it's outside of love. It's outside of why you're here. You're not seeking first the kingdom of God. If all you're seeking is your well-being, your 
You're a slave to your circumstance, and you're only as good as it's panning out. But, but good people, like I'm looking at, I am not talking to a room of hypocrites. I'm talking to God's kids. You're not here because you're looking for a way to miss him. So I ain't correcting you. I ain't spanking you. I'm saying, man, let's not fall into these traps. Let's stop letting the little foxes steal the precious fruit of the vine. Let's grow in wisdom and understanding. And all our getting, get understanding. Because for the lack of knowledge, we're destroyed. I don't want a mentality that's common to men. I don't want a mentality I'm familiar with that's not producing life. I don't want a reason good enough to justify me for not walking in His image. I don't want to let one man decide who I am if it's not Jesus. I'm just done selling cheap for a long time. I'm not for sale. I've been bought with a price, and I'm not my own. I'm not being controlled by God. I'm not His puppet. I'm His son. I've yielded to Him. And who he is has been molded and shaped in my mind. Because he's molded and shaped in my heart. Are you with me? Yes. Come on, man. If I can't find it in his life, I don't want to find it in mine. If I can't see the motive in him, I don't want the motive in me. If what I'm pursuing isn't producing life, if it's justifying something outside of shining and manifesting his image, then why would I pursue it? Why would I need to be right if it doesn't manifest him? I don't even know what we're doing right now. I'm intense. I feel intense. Are you okay? I'm not coming across mean, right? Okay. I just thought, Lord, what are we doing? Where am I at? Where are... I was just sitting here. I'm just sit down. I'm going to sit down and behave. This was a pretty good example, though. We ain't never seen Jesus there. We've lived there. Now we're out of darkness. We're in the light. I'm telling you, this chair that I was demonstrating, it's darkness. Wow. It doesn't produce life. The mentality doesn't produce life. What, what's, what's the big deal about being right? What's the big deal about getting a friend to agree with how wrong people did you? Wow. Why do you need support? In your issue, if your issue isn't pursuing the kingdom and restoration and redemption and the deliverance of others. See, if we're not careful, all of a sudden we do ministry and all of a sudden we're, we're hard towards the people we're called to and minister to because they don't appreciate us or they haven't. And all of a sudden things get muddy and weird sometimes. I've talked to way too many pastors that are hurt by people. I've heard pastors say this in my life to me at breakfasts, pastor meetings. You know, I say, how are you doing? Well, I'm doing great. Pastoring is awesome if it wasn't for the people. <laughs> well, we're just weary, man. It's been a long road. I mean, we're trying and trying to build this thing. and We're trying to, people just don't want it and this and that. And you hear a lot of that stuff, man. And I understand people do you wrong. I understand you've invested a ton of time. But listen, you're doing it for the kingdom. You're not doing it for you. Why are you so let down? A lady in ministry pulled me aside one day and she said, I really need to understand what you're saying. Because this is too foreign to me. I don't understand what you're saying. You need to give me practical examples. 
and I'm willing to listen, and I'm not like judging you or saying you're wrong. I just don't get this. But when you're talking, I feel like I need to get this, but I need understanding. Would you? And she was like really worked up. And she said, I said, she said, give me a practical example. And Holy Spirit's so cool. It turned out it's the very thing she does. She pours into young women. I said, well, let me give you an example. Let's just say you pour into young women. And her friends went. <laughs> and they're all laughing because, hey, guys, I didn't see you all out there. You're all out there. Is that like overflow section or something? It's good. We got glass, not a screen. Hi. <laughs> Bless you all. <laughs> yeah, I just realized there's a crowd behind the crowd. Yay. <laughs> Sorry, I had a moment there. <clears throat> I said, let's just say you're, you're investing into some young people and you really laid a lot of your heart and your time into this young lady. And let's just say that you really laid down your life for her. You went out of your way. You went the extra mile. You gave your cloak and your tunic. And about a year in, she didn't return your phone call. And then you finally got a hold of her and she said, I've just changed my mind. I don't know what I've been doing. I just don't want to do Jesus. And I'm just moving on. And she just hang up. I said, and then... You're hurt, and you're letting down. She said, yeah, that would be devastating. I said, why? I said, devastating on her behalf, or are you devastated because she crossed you over and took advantage of all your time? Would you be devastated or devastated for her? Because I want to know why you're devastated if you're doing it for her and if it's love. What are you losing? You invested, you sowed. You trained up and taught in the way to go like a parent. And you got to trust God to redeem and restore and shake that lie off of her. But why would you feel double-crossed? And she went, it was fun. She went, oh, and started to cry. Because she realized that's normal to her, double-crossed. Normal to her, betrayed, let down. Hard to get motivated to pick myself up and pour into another if that's what I might get in return. Now you be straight with me. Wonder if Jesus possessed that mentality for one day. Wonder if God thought like that for a moment. Then the view he had towards us is drastically changed. So if he didn't teach us that, why are we so common with that? Because we were born into it. And we were trained by it. But the whole time it was a lie. And you must be born again. I say it all the time. Unfortunately, we stopped born again at praying a prayer to go to heaven. And we've made born again heaven bound. Yeah. Instead of heaven in you. I said to Brother Greg, we were driving today, and I said, we were talking about some things, and, and I said, I, I, said well, I, I get concerned because I travel a lot, and, I think, and a lot of ministries have the mentality, ministry has become a hospital instead of a training ground and basic training and a sharpening and etching tool. So the church looks to ministry with expectation that if you're a ministry, you should minister to them instead of multiply them. So we're constantly looking for God through others. 
instead of being inspired to know God and live Him and manifest Him. And there's a time somebody got to grab your hand and pray you through, I get it, and all that. But ministry never by God was intended to just be a place to meet all your needs where you get ministry and like a hospital. The fivefold ministry is for the training and equipping of the saints for the building up of the body of Christ. And there's a whole lot of ministries that have gravitated into just meeting needs and ministering to needs. And a lot of people that are Christians have become ministry crazed. They, they need ministry. Yeah. I'm not being mean. Bear with me. Oh, no, stop. Don't do that. I'm not being mean. Don't overthink. Don't get ahead of me. Don't, say, don't think what I'm not saying. No, I'm protecting something there. I, I perceive that. That's, that's not cool. Bear with me. There's a place for us to love and minister and step in. But if you're in the church and all you're seeing church as is a place to meet your needs that can just as much fail you because they didn't meet your needs, how are you ever going to get formed in Christ, manifest Him, and multiply Him? If that's your only revelation of church. That's all I'm trying to say. I'm not saying it's wrong to need prayer sometime in your life. I'm not saying it's wrong to ask for help from somebody. But to seek Him and grow up into Him. And let's not just believe that ministry is in place. And as much as it can fulfill and meet and bless, it can fail and let down. You be honest with me. If you've been a Christian any length of time, You've met a lot of Christians that think it's normal to be hurt. And Jesus doesn't even know what we're doing. Angels probably look at us cockeyed. Like, what is that? No, um, it's like normal to be hurt. Let down, done wrong. They did what? They went, well, they're supposed to. Well, I can't believe. I pastored full-time for a while. I had people call the church all the time for money, for groceries. It was a challenging thing because I love people. I care. It's, it's not hard to get somebody groceries. It's easy. Sometimes you just do it even when everything's messed up and wrong. You just do it, right? But there's sometimes the Lord would compel me and tell me to minister and, and ask questions and talk. And you would be amazed how offended people get on the phone and call me all kind of nice and neat. They wasn't standing up clapping. <laughs> they were calling me words that Jesus doesn't even know. <laughs> he doesn't even, he's just. <laughs> Are you kidding me? You're a church. Are you a pastor? You're supposed to, and you're, su I said, whoa, stop, wait, you got it all wrong. Book of Acts is a one thing. It's everybody moving in the same direction. It's everybody laid down for a cause. Do you have a church? Why are you calling this church? Because you don't go to one? But you have a picture in your mind that a church is just there to step in and meet your needs? Honey, you've allowed your heart to be deceived. You're hard and angry for nothing. And I'm your enemy and you don't even understand that I absolutely love you. I'm asking you questions to try to help and minister. I didn't call for ministry. I called for growth. You got to have discernment. You can't just, you know, we think, well, yeah, but if you love them, you just. 
No, no. If I love him and I discern a twist, I got to go after him. I had a man, this is the most fascinating thing. I had a man come into church one day. He's, he's, he's dressed like me, shirt hanging out. He had real short shorts on, though. He had them old shorts that we used to wear way back. <laughs> in, his pocket, in his pocket, he had a big old red pack of Marlboros hanging up there, which I just saw. I, didn't, I wasn't like, oh, my gosh, he's smoking. That's silly. I don't think that stuff. I just saw it. He just come in. I could, you know, you could tell he was smoking. It's strong on him. He come in and he said, can I talk to a pastor? I said, man, I'm the pastor. What's up, bud? And uh, I said, come on, let's go over. And I took him over in the side room. We just sat in the side room. He's coughing. He said, uh, man, I just came from my brother's funeral down North Carolina. I'm trying to make it back to Connecticut. He said he just died. Cancer took him out. And I said, man, I'm sorry about that. Wow. He said, yeah, he said it caught me off guard. And I'm, I'm just hurting right now financially. And I had to drive the whole way down there. He said, I just got help from people to even get gas. And I... I'm going to need help to get back. I'm not asking you to get me the whole way home, but if you could just give me 30 bucks, I could get some gas in my tank, and when I get low, I'll swing in and try to get 30 more somewhere, but I was just hoping you could help me. He said, I just got night. Uh, he was coughing hard, and I said, are you okay? He said, well, I was just diagnosed with lung cancer. And uh, he said, I was just hoping you could help me, Pastor. And it's like, you know, you're, 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 and then after your heart just wants to fall out on the floor. You want to be like, man, I'm sorry here. Just take my bank account, dude. Just go. But it wasn't like that. It was like something's wrong. But he seemed sincere. It, he, didn't, he didn't say nothing in a wrong way. And I said, I said, man, I said, I'm concerned. Your brother just died of cancer? He said, yeah. I said, and you just got diagnosed with lung cancer? I said, like, where, where's your vision for life? What's, what's your, are you a Christian man? Like, do you know the Lord? Because I'm concerned, man. I said, I'm not, I said, I see the Marlboros right there in your pocket. I smelled that on you when you came in, but I'm concerned. You got lung cancer and you're still smoking. Is there any thought of you, like, trying to get that out of your life? Believe God for redemption? He'll, he said, now there you go. I'm in a jam. I need $30 to get gas. And you got to preach to me, condemn me, and try to bring up my smoke. I said, so that ain't what I'm doing at all. You're totally misunderstanding my heart. I care about you, and if you saw the value and destiny and purpose of your life, you'd probably want to hold on a few years and do whatever you can to receive mercy and grace and get on with purpose and leave a legacy in your life and not just wing it and try to get by. And I care about you, man. Do you have any interest? Because I'll tell you what, I'll pray with you. If you're addicted to them cigarettes, I'll pray with you. I'll believe God come and rock you. And I, I got aggressive. He said, listen, I didn't come for any of this, man, and I don't need you preaching to me. I just need to get home. Are you going to give me 30 bucks or not? And I said, no, I'm not. I'm sorry. And I started to cry because it hurt me bad because it was easy to give him 30. I could have done it out of my pocket. I wouldn't have had to go through the church. It's 30 bucks. I, I was in a position I could have just gave it to him. And I said, I'm sorry. I said, something's wrong. I can't give you $30. I said, I feel like I'd rather have a better voice in your life than just hand you $30 and you don't seem to want that voice. I didn't stop to be preached to, sir. I stopped to get gas so I could get home. Well, if you won't help me, I'm sure some other church that cares can. He was really like that, and he got up and he walked out. I ran into the office, called everybody. I was crying. It was hard. I was crying, and we all got in a circle, and I was praying. 
for this guy. I said, we got to pray. Man, something's wrong. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what about it. Something's up with that guy. But my heart's breaking for him. Cried and cried and cried. And we prayed. I went over to my office. I didn't want to. I just sat there. I was still kind of crying. My receptionist said, hey, you got to call on line one. It's the man that just left. I said, really? <laughs> you know, you feel like a hypocrite. You know, hello? <laughs> I'm like, hey, man. No. no, I'm like, hello? He said, hey, I'm the guy that was just there. I said, yes, sir. Watch what he said. It's fascinating. He said, you're really a sharp pastor. You're probably the sharpest man I've been around. So I want you to know I'm an atheist. I don't believe in God at all. He said, I map out churches all over the country. I've made a living. I live in a house and the car came from the church that I drive. I only ask for 30 bucks because it's easy. They'll give it to me. I don't ask for 200. He said, but you just read right through me, didn't you? I said, how do you think I read through you, sir? That God that you say you don't believe in is real and knows you. And he went, click. <laughs> Ain't that something? Because I just read, I went, <laughs> click call. <laughs> so here's, here's the funniest thing of all. So my, my pastor buddy up in Miglerville, he calls me. And Brother Tim says, hey, man, how you doing? How's your day going? Just thinking of you, bud. Just love you so much. Can't wait till you come up and, and preach whenever we were doing something out in the open. I said, I'm awesome, man. I said, but man, I was troubled the same. I had the strangest thing happened. I said, this guy stopped in and he, he told me he's coming from a funeral and he wanted three. He said, North Carolina, his brother died of cancer? And he's heading to Connecticut? This guy's 30 minutes up the road. There's 15 churches between him and us. This dude made a lot of money! I said, yeah, he wanted 30 bucks. He said, but God, I said, but God gave me discernment and I called him on some things, but I wasn't sure what was going on and I just couldn't give him it and it made me cry. I was so broken. I had to get stepped and pray. And he said, well, I didn't have no discernment. <laughs> he said, he got my 30 bucks. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> so see, why did I tell you all that stuff? Because it's just not always love isn't some, oh, I just love you. <laughs> I've never preached love like some weird, mushy, cushy thing. Sometimes you've got to say no with tears. Sometimes, sometimes you snatch people out of the fire. Some you save with compassion. But here's the thing. If love's not motivating you, then something else is. So you can't correct because you're frustrated. You can't just shout somebody down because you're mad and they pushed you too far or crossed your line. You're not supposed to have a line. Come on, if God had a line, you crossed it, I crossed it. <laughs> just not supposed to have a line. You're not supposed to have a chip. And sometimes you get the sermon, and I'm telling you, I believe this, I've learned this, that love makes you crystal clear in that arena. 
And even if you don't make the total right decision, if, if you're in love, you'll just find that grace covers things. It just always works out better when there's love at the motive. So I'm just cheering you all on tonight. And I'm, I'm just telling you, listen, the goal of our instruction is love. It's 1 Timothy 1.5. I preach it a thousand times over everywhere I go. I quote that stuff all the time. It's never old to me. The goal of our instruction is love. Jesus said, love one another. John says, if God loved us this way, ought we not love one another? It's not rhetorical. It's not love you. So I love you. With my life, I, I see the best and believe the best. And even when you're wrong, I want to see how we can change that and make you right and see you right. I don't want to give up on you. I don't want to get weary and well-doing. I don't want to... I don't want to be impatient. Love's patient. We say, well, brother, I need patience. And people say, don't pray for patience. God will give it to you. It's a joke in the church. Like, Make sure you don't pray for patience, brother. God will give it to you. Well, when you're praying for patience, what you're saying is I'm not perfected in love. Why don't you just go to the core and get the love? Because if you get the love, you got the patience. Why do you break it down and get one little piece at a time? Come on, I said it this morning in the men's breakfast. You ladies, oh, man, I hurt for you. We had an amazing men's breakfast. I'm sorry, but we just did. It was powerful. <laughs> That's just wrong, ain't it? That's just wrong. That's wrong, ain't it? <laughs> I don't even know what came over me. That was not the Lord. <laughs> Men, did we have a good time this morning? Oh, man. Just, it was good, and it, it just made me cry to see all these hungry men. Women, you, you should you'd be proud of these guys. They... They came because they wanted to come. They filled them tables and they were seeking Jesus, weren't they? Yeah. We got talking about this stuff this morning. We got talking about love and becoming love. I'm just waiting on something here, huh? John and Jesus said he was giving us a new commandment. But it's not a new commandment. It's one we had from the beginning. Love one another. What's he saying? Is he just saying it's the first thing Jesus taught us when he showed up? Or is it what we had from the beginning? That speaks to me. What he's saying is you were... were Put here to love. The reason I made man was to love. And when man got separate through sin, he got cut off from the source of love, became in need of love. And that's all we've known. And now we make the highest goal, receiving the love of God. When the highest goal is becoming the love of God. I'm going to say it straight. If we miss becoming the love of God, we miss the whole purpose of the cross. Even if you go to heaven, you miss why He really came. Because the reason you have eternal life is because He never created you to die in the first place and Jesus redeemed that truth. So the only reason men die is because of sin. But if Jesus took away the sin, then death shall have no dominion. 
over us. Where is your sting? For the sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thank God through Jesus Christ. Ah! You get it? So eternal life was always intended. If, if, Adam, if Adam was made to die, he wouldn't have said, don't eat the tree, it's the day you surely die. The reason he said that is because Adam was made to never die. He's one with the eternal one, so he was born with everlasting life. That life got lost through sin, so the Lamb of God came and took away the sin of the world and restored the life. That's why he holds the keys. That's why we should have no fear of death, because you will never die. And that's why we shouldn't get tricked into making our Christianity all about getting through now. It should all be building a resume for then. Our life now should be writing a legacy for the day you stand before him. Come on, you do not want to stand before him and say, oh, man, it was really tough and people did me wrong and I prayed and you didn't answer like you should. I mean, I don't know where you were. I mean, if, and if my spouse, if you'd have just changed her, I wouldn't have, I don't know, God, I'd have just believed you better and run better if you wouldn't have let it get so crazy. I don't know where you were. You ain't going to be able to say that looking into the light of his glory, standing in the essence of truth. You're going to just go, You know, you do that little eye thing, and you're going to go, oops. You think you're going to stand before the Lord and cry and say, oh, I'd have believed in you if it wasn't for my spouse. Because right then you're guilty that you made your spouse greater than truth. You let one person decide you, and it wasn't the Lord. So you went to church and sang he was the Lord, but you let spouse be Lord. And then rational wisdom and psychology and a lot of Christian counseling sided with you and said nobody should put up with that and Jesus doesn't intend for you and your life's too short too and you need to move on and you need to this and you need to that and none of it's Jesus. Because nobody's healed in that arena. People leave with scars and hurts and pains and baggage. That kind of counseling doesn't make people whole. It gives people rights. How can you deny yourself and have those rights? Come on, if Jesus had rights, then he's the man sitting here. But he's selfless. He's on the earth for one reason. Actually, two. His namesake and our sake. Love God, love your neighbor. That's Jesus. That's why he's on the planet. He's not on the planet to, for you to treat him right. He's not on the planet to be worshipped. He's on the planet to lay down his life, manifest his great name, and love the sheep. Man, what a shepherd. <laughs> Woo! Ain't that good? Just gospel flips me out. I don't know what I must look like when I feel this way, but it might challenge some of you. Because, <laughs> man, I'm about losing it right now. He never sat here in this place, guys, and it's the place we've lived. That's alarming. 
I love to act these illustrations out. I love to put the language we're familiar with in Jesus' mouth, and it sounds hilarious to the church. We sit and laugh, and it sounds hysterical and silly because we know who he is, and we know better of him. So we ought to know better of us and know who we are in him because that changes this position. Man, I'm coming straight with this. Are you guys all right? Look, look, it don't matter the story, the facts, the line. It doesn't matter the court case in your mind. It doesn't matter how your friends agree. If it allows you to sit here in this place I illustrated, it's got to be deception because it's not producing life. And it's not producing the righteousness of God. Watch, the wrath of man never produces the righteousness of God. If he rules his kingdom with the scepter of righteousness, then the wrath of man can never, ever be justified. Whoo, man, do I feel that. Come on. If the wrath of man will never produce the righteousness of God and the strength of his kingdom is righteousness, then the wrath of man is an enemy to his kingdom. So how can you ever be justified in wrath? Are you all with me? Well, I'm just bringing it straight. I'm just preaching the gospel. This is just the gospel. All I'm preaching is what it looks like to be a Christian. It shouldn't be alarming. It shouldn't be... Radical and out of the box and extreme. It's just Jesus. It's just Christ in us. It actually concerns me sometimes that the things I preach get labeled as radical. Because we've called life so normal instead of life in Him. Come on. If we've been trained by the wisdom of the world, and Christ Jesus is the wisdom of God for us, we probably ought to not be conformed to the world. We probably ought to challenge every mindset that justifies me being less than who He is. Everything that affects my disposition, my demeanor, my outlook, my enthusiasm, my encouragement, my form, forward motion. Anything that challenges that. Any mindset that I let be permissible and acceptable that challenges those things can't be the Lord. Can it? He came to give you life and life even more abundantly. So anything that doesn't stir my heart forward can't be Him. Anything that gives me a right to draw back. Well, brother, you're talking out of turn. You're not in my shoes. You don't know the pressure I'm under, and you don't know how long I've been going through it. And if you were in my shoes, you might have a different story because you just can't hold up and hold up and hold up, and everybody has a breaking point. Did you ever hear that language? But did you ever hear Jesus say it? And it sounds rational to men that are hurt. It sounds rational to the wisdom of the world. It makes a great talk show. But did you ever find life in that wisdom? Did you ever see fruit in that wisdom? Did you ever see anybody bear witness of Jesus in that resume? Man, I wish tonight I could compel you and encourage you. To never allow that to be your train of thought ever again. And if it would try to sneak in, it would just get crushed by who he is inside of you. That you would never be allowed ever again to feel sorry for yourself because it's the loneliest place you've ever been. And all of a sudden you reduce yourself to the highest grace you receive is that somebody seems to care about your situation. How does that make you free?
That's why it's imperative for all of us as Christians to love not our own lives unto death and take no account of a suffered wrong and seek not our own. And realize that we've been called for such a time as this so we consider not ourselves. Come on, how much scripture do we need? <laughs> Did you hear my brother? Man. Why? Because you're painting a picture. And there's no way around it. You can't even yell but your way around it. It actually will mark you. You'll have to be obstinate to not say amen. You would just have to be like. Because you can't not hear what I'm saying. It's not, a, it's not a parable. It's not a riddle. It's too simple. A young person can understand my language tonight. It's clear in the room. It's, nobody's going like, what's he trying to say? So what it does is it locates your heart. It locates your willingness. It locates if you're a yes or a no or a maybe so. Wouldn't the love of God want to hold every man accountable and bring every man into the highest position to walk out the highest truth? Or would he want to keep you in limbo and place charades and keep some shade around? Or does, does the Spirit of God and the entranceway of His Word is light, does the Spirit of God want to go poof? Whoa. Turn the light on. Don't you think? So you can see clear. So you can make just decisions. So you can reevaluate your responses in other situations. So you can relook at people and not stereotype them and weigh them for their weakness. <laughs> Let me ask you, this will really help people with unforgiveness. If people really knew who they were and people were really filled with the Holy Ghost, would they do the things they did and say the things they said? Would they? Then why are we so angry and hurt by what they said and what they did? Why aren't we this? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Does that phrase sound familiar? So are we going to just sing to Jesus and pray to Him? Or are we going to follow Him? Man, this don't get much clearer. I felt really clear last night. I feel a little more clear tonight. Are we good? Is there anything I'm doing to cause that, or was, is that covered? Do I need to clip it different? Are we good? Okay, good, man. Good, yeah, I'm just asking because, yeah. Thanks. Thanks for what you do. You guys okay? Yeah. Come on, man. I know sometimes it just seems like I keep beating this drum, beating this drum. It's, it overtakes me when I get up here. It's like a mandate. It's like a first things first kind of message. What would you call this thing? See, I'm, I'm so out of the loop. You called it, you put a name to this conference? It was called First Love? I didn't even know that. I just heard that tonight. I thought, oh, there's a name to this conference. I don't have a clue what I'm doing, man. <laughs> so we're talking about love, man. This is it fits. First love. You can say first love is your love for Jesus, but it doesn't stop there. It starts there. Like, Hey, Jesus loves you. That's the beginning. Then you see the love of God and the first love of God and go, whoa. And all of a sudden your heart responds and now you begin to what? Love Him because nobody loved God first. They see His first love. That's why the gospel has been preached in such a mystery way and has been so blinded to these. And we just pe preach pieces of the gospel that benefit us and give us blessings. And, and people are kind of like having a hard time thinking God loves them. Because they're looking at their lives. 
You don't ever find your, the love of God in your life. You find your love of God through Christ crucified. We, we said that earlier. You all good with that? So if God called us to this life, can we live it? Or do you think he's setting us up? Do you think he's sitting in heaven going, ah, they're actually trying? <laughs> they're like, what? So he said, follow me. Is that legit? Or do you think he's got all these young, zealous people out there on some rat race journey that they can never, and he's just sitting there with the father on the throne saying, do you see they took you serious? They think you can follow. <laughs> oh, man, that's good. I really preach good in your church. I do, man. I'm just having fun. <laughs> Don't hear me wrong. Uh, It's funny. Sometimes I'm, I'm flowing. I don't even know what I'm doing, saying it's such a blur. And sometimes it feels so crystal clear and calculated. I'm sure I'm getting saved. You know, it's like. And the last two nights, I've been in one of them moments where I'm like looking for the water baptismal. I'm like, I want this, you know. Like, this dude is preaching the gospel. Get born again. That's how I'm feeling like the whole time, man. Because, see, I don't want just want a confession of him. I don't want to just come on a Sunday and pay homage to him. I just don't want to now I lay me down to sleep. And, Father, we thank you for our food. <laughs> I want to wake up and know him. I want to manifest him. I want to walk in his ways and his word and his wisdom. I want to be led by the Spirit. Because those that are led by the Spirit won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Why? Because they crucified those things. And they put on Christ. And they're just done being hurt and offended and angry and frustrated and stressed and full of anxiety. Because they understand it was never the kingdom in the first place. And when their motive changes, everything changes. And that's how your soul gets redeemed and saved and restored. That's how your emotions get renewed and restored. When you change the wellspring of your motive and no longer is it self-centered, your whole emotional response changes. Did you follow that? Let me explain it. People say, well, brother, God gave us emotions. No, he didn't give you the emotions you grew up with. Adam gave you those. He's totally guilty and responsible for that. You were born into Adam. The emotions you grew up with came by sheer nature and instinct. You didn't have to work at it. It was who you were when you were born. And the reason you acted and reacted and responded the way you did in life is because there was a self-conscious, self-centered motive at the core of every man. And we were born into that, and you must be born again. So Jesus says, if you come after me, there's something you need to understand and you have to do. You have to deny yourself because it's the biggest problem in your life. You living for you is not cool. It's perversion. And it has you all mixed up and perverted and twisted. So if you deny yourself, seek ye first the kingdom of God, pick up your cross, follow Him, seek righteousness... That sounds like a plan. Yeah? How can you seek first the kingdom of God and be self-centered at the same time? we got to challenge that thing. Because every time you get offended, every time your spouse 
moves you to a moody place where you're frustrated and you feel like shutting down or you're getting angry, you got to go red alert and stop wondering how wrong they are and how justified you are in the way you feel because they always do that and I think they do it on purpose and I don't know why they got to push my buttons now. Come on. And you got to go red alert, man. I got to stop letting where they are decide where I am and I got to regroup and I got to walk this thing out. Because I want to overcover the, uh, just overshadow them and smother them with love. I'm going to let mercy triumph over judgment. I'm not going to retaliate and give them what I believe they deserve. I'm going to let love cover multitude of sin. And then people say, well, I ain't doing that. I ain't letting nobody make me a doormat. I ain't going to be passive. I ain't going to be an enabler. That's what people say. And, I, and then I have to ask them, is that what Jesus was? So he needs ministry. Somebody needs to encourage him to change his approach. Is he a pacifist? Is he an enabler? Is he a doormat? Or is he living, expressing, walking, breathing love? <sighs> what, should he have spoke up at the cross? Should he have set him straight? Should he have put him in his place? Should he, should he have come down from the cross like they said, proved him wrong, and bit into their little lie and agitation? They're all standing there going, hmm, he saved others. Can't even save himself. You hear their perspective? Do you hear their mentality? Do you hear the deception and the wisdom of the world? Huh. Saved others. Can't even save himself. Let him come down from the cross if he's really the son of God. For he said, I am the son of God. That's scripture. He's, he's not here to save himself. He's here to save them. And they're mocking him for being on the cross because they're so blind. And Jesus doesn't say, that's it. That's enough. And poof and healed. And I've had enough. What is wrong with me right now? Are we okay? to them over there. God, why do you let me hear their thoughts? Their thoughts are demoralizing and miserable. You don't think he knows they're talking like that? And there he is hanging. What a God. Man, he's my hero. He will not reduce himself to letting men decide who he is because he knows who he is. And men are not going to decide who he is. That's why he has the authority and power to decide who men are. Come on. Just think of the mocking. The man is beaten beyond description to a pulp. He looks defeated. Believe me, he's stripped naked. And he's beaten beyond recognition. And they're standing there going, saved others. Heartless, no compassion. Blind, deceived. Saved others. Can't even save himself. Let him come down from the cross if he's the Son of God. See how men is geared? Just self-centered provision. Just benefit. What about me? All for me. Save yourself. What did Job, what did, what did Satan say to God about Job? Satan, so arrogant. Just, just right to the face of God, so arrogant. He said, Job, 
different than every other man, more righteous than no matter on the planet like Job? Are you kidding me? You hedged him in. You're protecting him. You make him fat in the land. The dude's got blessing on every side. He's fat in the land, man. Righteous bless you? Are you kidding me? He only blesses you because you blessed him. You've hedged him in. You take the blessing from him. and You'll see he's just like everybody else. He'll curse you to your face like every other man. That's what he said. Story's so misunderstood and, and so butchered up most of the time. I'm not saying I have all the revelation, but if you translate it through, if you look at New Testament to unveil Old Testament, you'll get a clear look. Job lost everything. He was very confused. He said, The Lord taketh and the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. The Lord didn't take anything away. The Lord said, all he has is in your hands to the devil. The Lord didn't take anything away. He said, but you're not going to kill him. Satan come back and said, God said to Satan, he said, have you considered Job? After losing everything, he hasn't cursed me. Satan, Satan said this to God. Right, bam. Skin for skin. Man will do anything. To save his own life. Now that tells you the arrogance of the devil. He is sure. Absolutely sure he has you and me figured out. And you got to make sure you don't make him right. Because your fight ain't with him. Your fight is the good fight of faith. And your fight is believing the truth in the face of it all. And your fight is to love not your own life, even in the face of tragedy and trauma and losing a loved one and having a miscarriage and having a child die or a parent die or, or a spouse die. I'm being real. I'm being straight. We have all lost people very dear to us. Come on. I'm not out of turn here. Don't make me have to validate and tell my story to qualify so you can hear me because it matches your story. Let's stop that. There's people in here that's been through five times, seven times more hell than others, and then you find somebody through 15 times more hell than others. We're never going to find the truth looking at everybody's hell. It's just a demonic strategy that's trying to harden our hearts, make us mad, get us angry at God, and love our own lives, and defend our own rights. And all of a sudden, people have a right to be mad at God as if he failed. And now the clay has indicted the potter and ran him through the jury of his mind and prosecuted him through facts. You're going to be so wrong in the end. Please, please, please come out of that. He's the only one that's truly good. You say, he isn't good. If he was good... My child wouldn't have died. If he's good, I wouldn't have lost my spouse and I prayed and they died anyway. If he was good, no, 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 stop. You're looking at the wrong things. If he wasn't good, he'd have never sent his son. Oh, right there. Right there, brother. If he wasn't good, he wouldn't have paid the price to restore the truth about why we're here. If he wasn't good, he wouldn't have came. We have just been so deceived with message after message after message that benefits us. We've been so tricked into making the gospel a survival kit. 
with, here's what the devil believes. He, he said it in Job. He doesn't believe one of us loves God. He believes we need God. And there's a difference. And he's out to prove it. And if you squeeze an orange, you get orange juice. And if you got apple juice, it would be freaky weird. <laughs> Why isn't it freaky weird when you squeeze a Christian and get everything but Christ? I wonder if the devil's learned, I'll just squeeze them a little bit and find out what they believe. I'll just squeeze them a little and find out what they see. I'll just squeeze them a little and find out what they understand. Oh, I'll find out. Oh, I believe if I squeeze them, I can break them. Oh, I know I'm running the risk of making them if they're really believers. But I don't believe they believe. I believe every man loves himself more than God. And then you know what happens when your motives are wrong? You get hurt, you get frustrated, you scramble, you pray like crazy, you read a lot of books pertaining to your trial, and after a while you say, I don't, and then another thing pops up. Who's ever seen this happen? And then right when it couldn't get any worse, it gets worse. And then the person says, I just don't know what's going on. I don't know what I've done wrong. I don't know where God is. I don't know why He's let me go through all this. I don't know why He's doing all this. And He ain't doing a thing. But sending His Son, letting His blood speak better things, and giving you hope and a promise and a word and truth and a sword and shield and a breastplate and a belt and he ain't doing a thing. You're positioned for everything that's happening because of your motive. And you're destroyed for what you don't see. And the whole time, he's good. You say, well, why doesn't God intervene? He already did. He sent his son and raised him from the dead and called you to believe. Well, why doesn't he help me? He has. He's shown you the truth and told you to deny yourself. Why have you made this all about you? Don't tell me he didn't help. You're just not believing the help. Come on, man. I've lost friends. I've lost some loved ones. I lost my mama. Don't tell me I don't get it. Don't make us compare horror stories. Don't, don't get in the, the bad mistake of sharing war stories. I could start on the end right here. Go right down the line, go every row, right? Go the whole way down. We all have some sort of a story that would be like, man. Oh. Don't we? Some would be like way more heart-wrenching than others. And some would be almost unbearable. And by the time we get done interviewing everybody and telling our stories, all we would locate is who's been through the most hell. And then we're going to turn around, strike up the worship team and sing, it's all about heaven. And then when the preacher preaches, we're going to say, yeah, but brother, you don't know what I've been through. But you don't know what they did to me. And I don't know why God let it even happen because I cried and said, God, don't let this happen. And it happened anyway. And I don't trust God and I'm mad at God and we're singing, he never failed me yet. And you better believe he failed me. Come on, I'm being real. I promise you he didn't fail nobody. Because in Christ you already won. When you're sincere, when you're a born-again Christian, you'll never answer for your sins. You're going to live forever. You'll never be judged for what you deserve. And you already won. 
And then if you just use God to get through this life, you're going to be sorely mistaken and life's going to be like hell. If you're a Christian for your sake, you're already in big trouble. Bail out and change your motive. No, I'm being straight. You cannot be a Christian for you. You have to be a Christian for his great name and the sake of others. There's no other scriptural motive for Christianity. You're not a Christian so he heals your marriage. You're not a Christian because you're bankrupt. You're not a Christian because you're scared. You're not a Christian because you're afraid you're going to go to hell. You're a Christian to become what he paid for and what he created you to be. You're a Christian to walk in love and shine as a light in the midst of everything. And come hell or come high water, you're going to follow him and look like him and manifest him. That's why you're a Christian. And I'm going to be raw and straight. Anything else isn't Christianity in this book. It's just a form or a piece of what we've created. You all okay? You can tell I'm not mad at you, right? Okay. You know, I, didn't, I never fly to some place to spank people. I fly to places to tell them who they are. So you don't leave here saying, boy, I've got a long way to go. Well, I don't even know if I'm barely saved. No, you leave here and say, man, God, you set a light on the trail and I've got a place to run now. Man, things make sense. My heart was stalemated. My mind was deceiving me. My own emotions were an enemy. Man, forgive me, God, for projecting on you. Man, I talk, took the loss of them so personal. I haven't been spiritually right since that day. Man, you called me tonight. Wouldn't that be an amazing response? See, when I'm preaching to you and talking to you, you can't tell my mother died of a disease that I changed her diapers at a young age, can you? You can't tell my daddy was an alcoholic and never said, I love you. You can't tell that my son ran off into drugs and my daughter made some bad mistakes and my wife was in identity crisis for eight years. You can't tell that, can you? You know why? You ain't supposed to. Because none of those things decide who I am. He does. You can't tell I was touched wrong at a very young age, can you? Can you tell that when you look at me? <laughs> Because Nebuchadnezzar's fire was never supposed to consume you. Because you're not afraid of the fire. Because you know Jesus is king. And you're not even afraid to die. And even if Jesus doesn't come into the fire and rescue you, you still know he's king. And that's what brings him in the fire. Because you love not your own life unto death. And when you come out of the fire, guess what? There's an extreme zeal in your heart an extra increase in knowing of what you already knew. Your eyes are filled with light and you're passionate and you're full of fire. There's no smell of smoke and no one can tell you were in there except you're freaked out with zeal and now that's in question. <laughs> so you see what's wrong with me? It's all the fires. So I don't need to read Shadrach anymore. I got my own. I don't need to lean on old Meshach anymore. I get it now. The reason you see passion in a man is because he's Lord in the fire. 
is Lord in the flesh is because you've been through stuff and it hasn't changed truth. And it hasn't changed him. And after those things, you know him all the more. You trust him all the more. You get it all the more. And you ain't afraid of adversity. You ain't picking a fight. But you sure ain't afraid of one. <laughs> yeah. You know, a lot of times we just pray that everything's all right and that we never go through trial and pray for me. I'm going to go to the doctor, get a full out, just pray that I get a good report. I mean, it all makes sense that we ask that stuff, but the bottom line is the report's going to decide our response. We should already be settled. Who shall believe our report? For who has the arm of the Lord been extended? There was a whole lot of spies that went into the land. They all saw the same thing. Ten of them had a perspective, and two of them had a different perspective. And they were considered young zealots, and they were almost worthy of being stoned and almost got their butts whooped by the Israelites for even dare suggesting, let's just go face them and take the lamb. What are you kidding? God gives the lamb, man. They're already whooped. What are you afraid of? Oh, you bunch of zealot little youngsters that don't know nothing, whippersnappers, knock it off. <laughs> what God do? Make sure none of that generation entered into the promise. And those two whippersnappers led the new, young, fresh generation of Israel into the promised land. <laughs> Ain't that something? That should speak to us, man. Like, theologians don't really know, but they're saying one, two, three million people. They don't know, but it's several million people maybe. And two saw the truth. You look at the Israelites. They come through a split open sea. They watch fire consume Pharaoh's enemies. They see plague after plague after plague move Pharaoh finally through a hard heart to get them out of the land. And the Israelites left with all their goods and riches. The Egyptians were like, just get out of here, man. Here, we'll just load you up too. Just don't come back. They just gave them jewels and gold and stuff, man. And they're heading down and Pharaoh changes his mind because he hears, he says, I hear laughter. And he goes, takes off to kill him and smote him. And God puts a fire between them. And the water opens. This is freaky. And they're walking through dry land. Don't you think he'd be like, yeah, man, God was kind of swag. I knew God was delivering. <laughs> no, no, no. No, you're freaked out. You're like. <laughs> and you get on the way through. And all of a sudden, the fire stops, and Pharaoh says, Get them, boys. And all of a sudden, the water just. And now you're on the other side. And you're going, What? And Moses just feels a song coming on. He just sings a song. It's long, too, man. He just sings all night. And they just write it down. He just sings all night. The song of Moses. By morning, they're feeling breakfast coming on. They said, Moses, what are we going to do for grub? Man? What are we going to do now, man? We're the whole way out here. Where are we going to go now? We're on the other side of the sea, but it don't look too good in front of us. This ain't no five-star, buddy. 
If you look all through their story, their gripe kept being this. You got to catch the language. It'd be better for us. It'd be better for us. It'd be better for us. And they missed the whole point. I'm telling you, there's so many messages preached in Christian churches that are making it about you and your benefit and what you get from Him. And it'll leave you disappointed. And you'll actually go to church discouraged and won't even have a conviction that you're discouraged. You'll have a right to be. Because you have a life and a circumstance to back it up. And yet the whole time you're deceived. It'd be better for us. It'd be better for us. It'd be better for us. Ain't that something? So God comes and He covers them with a cloud in the day to keep them from the heat of the desert. And he comes at night and hovers over him with a little like a, like, a, like a wood stove just floating in the air, man. It's like, oh. Just keeping him warm. Can you imagine? And then they wake up in the morning and the ground is just covered with this stuff. And they didn't even know what it was, so they called it manna because manna means what is it? That's what manna means. What is it? They said, what is it? They were like, they said, I think we can make bread out of it. And the lady said, let's get some. And God said, hey, Moses, I'll tell you what it is. It's my provision. It's bread coming from heaven. What's it a type and shadow of? The bread that was going to come. Jesus said, I am the bread of heaven. Now watch what they did. Time goes by. They're going out. They're only allowed to take an owner can't take more than an omer because if they do, it would get rotted and worms and maggots would show up in it. It would be like, nope, you just trust me every day. You just trust me every day. Just get enough for today. Tomorrow has enough of its own. Don't start worrying about tomorrow and try to scoop up an extra omer. Trust my faithfulness. I ain't going to leave you high and dry. I didn't bring you this far. I didn't deliver you from Pharaoh. I didn't split the sea to let you die of starvation. I called you out as my people. So the nations of the world would know me through you. Don't miss the point. And guess what they did? Missed the point. Paul writes all about it in 1 Corinthians 10. We'd have missed the point too. Paul writes all about it in Corinthians 10. And watch what he says. Now watch. Because it's going to get hard on us in a minute. You won't be smiling in a minute. But don't take it too personal. Watch. He says, I write all these things to you for your admonishment so you never follow their example. So we have all this history and all this writing and all this exhortation and we still have discouraged Christians and people living the same way and falling in the same trap. And what about me? I'm not saying it's you. I'm saying make sure it's not. Are you with me? Because you know what they did? They took that bread and one day they went out there and they said, Hey, Johnny, is it out there? Oh, yeah, it's everywhere, man. Hey, Mary, did you look? Is it there? Oh, yeah, it's here. Okay, I guess I better scoop mine up. You know, same old stuff every day. I think God would be a little more creative. You know, and it says, here's what it says. It says that the children of Israel... Complain before the Lord and loathe the worthless bread. Wow. 
What was the bread? A type and shadow of what? The Gospel to come. So what were they saying? Your plan of provision isn't good enough for us. Get a new plan. And these crazy, like crazy serpent things just showed up and started biting people and they were dropping by the thousands. Why is it so hard? Why do we make it so hard? Like, to come out of our tent in the same situation as we've been in for a long time and just go, man, God, I'm not sure where I am right now. I'm not sure where we are. Sometimes it seems scary, but it ain't really scary because you're here. And sometimes it seems like we're going to go hungry and ain't going to have enough, but it ain't true. We always have enough. And you have provided and you've been good. And God, I just honor you. And today I'm going to take my own and I just want to say thank you. For being who you are, I love you so much. Your faithfulness is on the ground every morning when I wake up. I can sleep with my babies and never worry because you're good. I'm going to go in and prepare this and we're going to eat and be well. And I'll see you tomorrow. Why is that hard? Why do we make that so hard? Why does selfishness have to be such a wretched thing we think that's normal? Why is unthankfulness even considered to be acceptable? Why is complaining not smashed forevermore? Paul says, don't you complain like they complained in the wilderness and were destroyed by the destroyer and devoured by the one that devours. Don't you complain because when you complain you reveal it's all about you and you're not satisfied and it makes you an easy target complaining is a dead giveaway that you don't get it and it makes you a target Paul said do all things, do all things without grumbling without complaining so that you can be seen as harmless, innocent children in the midst of a twisted and perverted world whom you, shining forth as lights, hold forth the word of life. That sure doesn't sound like having issues with your workmates, having issues with your boss, looking for a new job because you can't stand the people where you work. But holy, holy. Come on, I'm just talking to you straight. Please don't get weary of this. Don't think it's redundant. Don't think it's rhetorical. It's the reason He came. It's what He paid for. It's what He called us to. And it's what created us for. Did you ever hear somebody say, life's a grind, life's really hard, hey, it's tough, and have a whole lot of even bad words for life. Life's a bleep, life's a blank. You ever hear that? The only reason life feels that way to men is they wake up every day and live it outside of why they're here. So they have no grace on the road they're driving. Because God won't empower them to live outside of why he put them here. So it's a dry and thirsty land. But if you take one drink of him. Just one drink. If you'd ask him. Just one drink. You know what happened to them children of Israel? Them things were biting them. 
And they were dying by the thousands. They cried out and said, hey, Moses, I'm really sure, we're really sure that by this point we have missed it bad. We've, we've sinned, we've complained, we've murmured. And would you go tell God, we are really sorry. <laughs> Hurry, because this thing is tracking me down. And the things are like, it's like these serpent things. It's like a movie. And they're like, Moses, hurry, get to God. They're all running around trying to avoid getting bitten. Moses goes to God. It's a fascinating story. Remember Jesus? Jesus said, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so shall the Son of Man be lifted up. So we just think that's symbolic. Moses put the serpent on a pole. Jesus was raised on a cross. Let me tell you what it means. I saw this. I was nine months in the Lord. Wrecked my life. I was sat on my bed and cried and shouted and screamed like a madman. I was shouting in my bedroom so loud one day to God, my mother-in-law came over and thought I fell off the wagon. She said, oh my goodness, he's flipping out on the kids, the wife. I ain't even getting involved. She started tiptoeing back to her car because I was yelling and screaming so loud in the house. She's afraid to come in. She won't get in the middle. She's an AA or, you know, old school AA. So she thought, I fell off the wagon. She's sneaking back out to her car. She looks and realizes I'm the only vehicle parked there and Kim's car ain't even there. And she goes. <laughs> sneaks back to the back of the garage. I'm up in the bedroom on the far side of the house. She hears me outside. She's standing there listening and she hears my language. I just love you, Jesus. I'll never be the same. Thank you for saving me. I worship you. You say, you have to scream and freak out? Feels like it. <laughs> and, and it ain't nobody else's business because I'm by, by, by myself. If I'm besides myself, it's for God. If I'm a sound mind, it's for you. That's why I haven't manifested today. so I can communicate. But get me alone, my brother. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> come back, man. Come back, come back, come back. So you should see how that affected my mother-in-law. She's standing there listening. She hears the content of my language. She goes, this guy is like legit. Like he's the only one in the house. He's up in his bedroom screaming at the top of his lungs. I can hear him in the yard and translate. And she just left overwhelmed. She told my wife that affected me so much that Dan's that real and that authentic that he's so believing that he would cry out to God in his bedroom because God was standing up. Celebrate and worship him. And she was so moved by that. She loves me. Mother-in-law mother loves me. You know why? Because I love her daughter. Like Jesus loves his church, I promise you. So my mother-in-law loves me. She's an in-law, not an outlaw. She does. She respects me. She loves me. My mother-in-law could be my mother, of course. She's the age to be my mother. And she asks me questions, respects me, and draws on me for wisdom in situations. Quite humbling. Really sweet. Moses says, hey, uh, Lord, man, we got a problem. You see these things, right? They're like tearing up the people, and they're scared, and they're afraid, and they're sorry. You know, I'm just kind of 
making it fun. He, 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 it was serious. He went to God. He said, God, the people are repenting. Would you please? And he said, yep. He said, uh, I will. I'll, I'll, I'll forgive them. Here's what I need you to do, Moses. I need you to make a replica. Well, if you look in Leviticus, that's not even cool to make a graven image in a replica. Make a replica of the serpent. Put it on a pole and hold it up. And it'll be that when the people see it, they'll be healed. And if any of them were bitten, they'll be healed. And I'm sitting on my bed. And I said, Lord, I don't get this. I need you to really, really help me, Holy Spirit. Why would you put the thing that's killing them on a pole and hold it before the people? Why wouldn't you put Aaron's rod that's budding? Why wouldn't you put the tablets? Why wouldn't you put something that... Rep Why wouldn't you put a flag that says Yah? Uh -huh. yeah. Why would you make a replica, which isn't even cool in Leviticus of anything, why would you make a graven image, stick it on a pole and hold it up for the people? As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so shall the Son of Man be lifted up. Wow. The Lord spoke this right to my heart. I'm sitting on my bed. Heard it in English in my heart. He said, Dan, they're my Hebrew people. They know the law, the Levitical law. They know that anything hanging on a tree has been cursed by God. So they know that when Moses lifts up the serpent, that I heard his cry and I crushed the thing that was killing them. And when they looked at it and saw that it was cursed by God, faith rose in their heart, and if any was bitten, they were healed. Now watch. He who knew no sin was made to be sin. So did God lift a crucified son on the cross? Or did He put sin on the cross? Did He curse His Son on the cross? Or did He curse sin in the flesh? And sin shall have no dominion over us. So here's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to look at the cross and see sin cursed. And reckon ourselves dead to sin and alive unto God. And sin shall have no dominion over us. Because the law of the Spirit of life through Christ has made us free from the law of sin and death. Even as, so shall. Woo! That sure blows condemnation out of the water. That sure blows guilt and shame out of the water. It sounds like it brings righteousness and ushers in His kingdom and brings transformation of life. That's why He said He bore our sins and your sins in His body on a tree that we, having died to sin, might live for righteousness and by His stripes we are healed. Even as, so shall. Oh, isn't that good? I heard that when I was nine months old in the Lord just because I asked Him a sincere question. He answered me like if we were talking on the phone. He just went, boom, and I went, whoa. It was just neat little things like that will teach you. It's just really cool, isn't it? So I guess healing is all part of what He paid for. I guess last night when we prayed, that was legit. That was, it was good to pray that. 
The dear lady that came up here and walked around and is doing good told me her blood pressure was normal since yesterday. It's been out of whack for a week. And she said, that's, that's good too. I'm like, we ought to keep believing for things. We ought to stop building a theology on the things that haven't happened and start building on the things he's doing. We ought to stop probably taking it personal and take the gospel personal. Probably ought to stop saying, brother, you don't know what I've been through. We probably ought to start saying, wow, I see what you've been through, Lord. I'm going to let that decide who I am. I'm going to let that be my identity. I'm going to let what you've been through be who I am, not what I'm going through. Ain't that something? Just little shifts of perspective. I love that song we sang last night, if you weren't here. We sang a song that if he changes the way I see, he'll change the way I seek. I've been, a, I've been a pastor for a little while. I've told countless people when no one was around or looking with the door closed, listen, I'm concerned of your motive in Christianity because I can hear your heart and I can see how you're processing and how you're assessing things. You've been tricked into being a Christian for your sake and you're very disappointed in Christianity and ultimately you're disappointed in God and that's why you don't have communion with Him. You're just a prayer list with needs. You've reduced Him to your genie in a bottle. You're rubbing the lamp every time you pray. That's how I counsel. So don't come to me if you're not serious. <laughs> come on, wouldn't, wouldn't a friend talk like that if he saw that? Wouldn't love just make it plain? Yeah. And say, I'm really concerned about your motive in Christianity. Why are you a Christian? Well, I, I just saw I needed a Savior, and I certainly didn't want to go to hell. And, and I was just, or you'd be surprised how many different answers you get. But rarely would anybody just say, because, you know, I realized I was driving the car and he was supposed to be driving the car, but I'm supposed to be in it. And I was in control and I was living for myself and I was letting that destroy everything he created me for. So I died to myself and I'm picking up my cross and I want to walk in the light as he's in the light. And I want my life to make a difference and bear witness of his name so that in that day I have a legacy that speaks on behalf of the king. You just don't hear that answer. You just hear, well, my marriage was really struggling, so I started to go to church. Well, I picked up my Bible and was reading it because I got laid off and I didn't know what I was going to do. And then the stock market shifted and I even lost some of what I had tucked away. And it's just been a concerning time. So I've just been really reading a lot of scriptures on prosperity. Come on, am I that far off? Or Yeah. Please. Please don't come here and take all this time and let me shout and rant and do all I've done. And leave here and not take this stuff to heart. Don't you leave here without looking at the motive of why you're going after him. If you're going after him for your sake, I'm telling you now, you're not going to be blessed and fulfilled like you're trying to be. If you go after him for his name's sake, you'll step into what freedom really is. If you go after him for the sake of others, you'll start understanding the heart of Jesus more and more. And then scripture comes alive and you'll start looking through the screen of where you're living from and everything starts getting clear and making sense. And all of a sudden you don't know how to give up, be discouraged, you won't take nothing personal. And all of a sudden you're in love with Jesus more than you ever thought you could be. And you so love your life in him. And there was a time you didn't think that was possible to love life. You with me? Yeah. Man, I hope you're good. Is it that? Wow, that must have been good. Time slipped on me. Nobody moved. 
You guys see me like nobody even went to pee or anything. I didn't even see everybody get up and move. <laughs> That's awesome. Like I said yesterday, unity, we're all going the same way, so everybody locked in. We just on the path, brother. We just on the path. We just on the path. <laughs> you guys are the best. You realize how hungry y'all are, right? You see how plain I'm talking to you because you can take it. You can hear it. God knows what you'll hear. I mean, he'll give it anyway to folks, but there's, there's times he'll just do like the last two nights have been. That's how it feels to me. I'm like up here just going. And, and if I mess around too long, it's 9.30, I stand here in the toilet and I go. And I go. I've got to get wrapped this up. No, 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 I'm done, I'm done. But, but do you realize how intense, like this thing, we covered some stuff in two nights, right? Wouldn't you say it's because God's calling you, God's saying, hey, you can take this, you can handle this? Why, why, would, why, would, why would God preach revolution in, in a room? Because he's found revolutionists. Why, why would he preach surrender? Because he found people that will. Why would he preach selflessness? Because he finds people that will live for the kingdom. He knows that what a man will do with what he hears too. He's still going to call you accountable. He's still going to preach it. But I feel in this room, and my perception in this room is there's an amazing hunger. I actually asked to come back here. Didn't I? I, I got a hold of you. and said, would it be okay if I come back? You guys are just so in my heart, but I feel like I'm inviting myself. Look at I come That's what I said. I don't do that. I got a thousand invites. It's not a joke. I got a thousand invites in front of me per year. I do 45 weekends. I got a thousand invites. And I'm calling asking if I can come. I could have probably found somewhere to go. <laughs> So what's all that mean? I mean, I don't know, but I know it was in my heart. And I was excited. I was glad to see you guys. And they're easy to live with. And... But it's more than that. It's much more. Can we just pray quick here? And then we're just going to pray something over everybody. And we're just going to pray for a couple things here. Father, I just thank you for these two nights. I just thank you for all these precious people in front of me, looking up, just locked and frozen. This has been fun. We, I believe we're saying this as a room, God. Would you have your way in us? And let this thing that we're hearing and speaking and hearing become our reality, the fruitfulness of our life, the manifest purpose and perspective in our hearts, God. And we're not afraid to fail. We're privileged to become. It's not about missing it. It's about becoming. So, God, we're going to come after you. We're going to live this thing. We're going to go after it. We're asking the Holy Spirit to empower us. And if in any way we walk outside of this thing, we're not going to be condemned. We're not going to run from you. We're going to run right to you because our hearts are sincere. We want to know you. We want to grow up in you. We're not afraid to fail. We want to become. Yeah. So, Lord, I'm asking you for grace in this room. I'm asking you to empower people and strengthen people. Lord, I'm praying for restoration in homes and marriages. Uh, families that feel like they've lived beyond this message in a way where they can't walk this out because of the way it's been. 
Let that be exposed as deception. Let tonight be a starting point. Let tonight be a, a new foundation, a new platform, if you will. God, give grace to marriages tonight in this room to see each other through this truth as the yesterday never happened. I'm not talking about denial. I'm not talking about stuffing feelings and emotions. I'm talking about seeing through truth. And grant them the ability and the grace to live like tomorrow never, or like yesterday never happened, so tomorrow can be what you created it to be. I'm asking for that kind of redemption in marriages, Lord. You said I can have what I ask. And I believe you're that way. I believe you can do that. Come on, if you're serious and you want that and you're sitting with your spouse and you understand what I'm saying without going into detail or exposing anything, why don't you just grab the hand of your spouse? Why don't you squeeze each other's hand mutually as if saying, you know what, I want that redemption. I don't want to seem like this is impossible. I don't want to have the feelings I've had towards you. I want to walk in unity. I want to walk in Jesus. I want to manifest Him with you. Why don't you grab their hand right now and make it a sign of oneness that, you know what, I haven't given up on you and I'm done, I'm done waiting on you. I'm saying, and let's just run together because I'm going after God. I'm going with you. Come on with me. Come on. I'm telling you, if you'll squeeze their hand right now, you don't have to stand up. You don't have to come to an order. If you're just humble and you squeeze their hand as a sign saying, you know what, honey? Forgive me. I'm listening to this man and I'm not listening for you. I'm listening for me and I want to become more like Jesus. And I'm saying, forgive me and I'm ready to run. And I'll tell you what, if you feel that way, squeeze them back. Just squeeze them back. And that way... There's just a grace coming and a restoration coming and a healing coming, I'm telling you, in your home. You'll go home tonight and it'll just seem free. It'll, you'll go home tonight and it won't be like it was. I'm telling you, I see it. I'm telling you, it'll be changed. Father, restore marriages and restore homes. And let the glory of who you are reign in the home of every one of us. I ask it in the name of Jesus. Father, let child and parent stuff be resolved and be healed. If there's young adults in here that have, have, have left an anger come in their heart towards their parents, and if there's parents that have a disappointment towards their child, man, let this message just bring change right now and cause us to see each other through this truth. Let hope live again and let life come in Jesus' name. God, I thank you for healing in our lives. Healing in our families, healings in our emotions. God, I thank you for healing in the structure and the, and, the, and the fabric of our homes. I'm asking for supernatural move of God right now that brings restoration through this tree. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If uh, it's 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 kind of late. If uh, if you need healing in your body and you want prayer, tap the person beside you and say, "Hey, would you hold my hand? Would you do that right now?" If you need healing, you want healing, and you're believing God for healing right now in your body, just tap the person beside you and say, "Would you please take my hand?" And please, would you take their hand? <laughs> Don't pull it back and say, no, I ain't praying. <laughs> take their hand. And if you're nervous, really take their hand. That actually would be good. We're just going to pray right now, okay? When you take their hand, I want you to just believe right now for God to heal. 
We're just going to do it this way. I'm just trusting God and trusting grace in the room, okay? So we're just believing God loves them. We don't have to know even what it is right now. Okay? We don't have to go there. Let's not even go there. Let's just trust the grace in the room. Just say be healed and be made whole in Jesus' name. Come on, sincerely. Don't, don't, don't try to emphasize. Don't try to sound spiritual. Don't put a voice on there. Just be healed and be made whole in Jesus' name. Don't say in Jesus' name. Just in Jesus' name. All right? Come on, man. Don't get into works. Don't get weird on me. We came this far. Don't, don't lose me now. Like, in Jesus' name, behold. Father, I thank you for healing all through this room. I thank you for doing what only you can do because of the blood of your Son. Because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. It sounds so simple to people, but it's not simple. Jesus had to come as a man and he had to pay an amazing price. He had to sit in the womb of a woman for nine months. The God of the universe. Nothing was made that wasn't made through him. And he's so humble and amazing that he let Holy Spirit plant him inside the womb of a woman for nine months. That freaks me out. That's pretty intense. He must really see something about us that he really wants us to see. That he would go to that extreme to put his life inside of you. Like... To do it as a man, he had to do that. He couldn't just show up in the wilderness buffed and ready to roll and all ready for ministry. He had to come in the womb of a woman and be birthed by the woman. He had to come through her birth canal. He had to be nursed by her. He hung on Mary's breast like every baby ever has. He, he, he messed up his little swaddling clothes and they didn't have sticky tape and they weren't pampers. The king of the universe pooped in his diaper. You ought to think that way with me. Just the fact that he had to poop, that's like bummer. Wouldn't it be great if you never had to poop? I'm just kidding. It cost him. It's a sacrifice to come as a man. He sweated. He had body odor, man. Don't think because he was Jesus he didn't stink when he sweated. They didn't have, like, right guard, and they didn't have, like, sweat prevention, whatever, old spice, sweat defense. He's walking all day. They ain't even bathing regular. It's a sacrifice to become a man. But he did it. And take no shortcut. Man, he let him whoop him. And whoop him and whoop him. Spit on him and whoop him and spit on him and whoop him. And then he just hung there and said, Father, they don't have a clue. Don't hold it against them. Forgive them. They don't know. Man, I want to follow that. I want to follow that. See, it ain't simple. It cost him a lot. To him, if you ask him, it didn't cost him much. But when we look at it, we're like, oh. we get self-conscious in the crowd. We get nervous to be noticed. And Jesus tells us to pray for somebody in a street corner. We try to talk ourselves out of it and pray from the car. <laughs> and he stripped naked and beat for something he never did. And crucify. 
to do this in three minutes, I hope. It just won't leave me. I'm not having an order call. And you don't have to acknowledge who you are. It's none of my business tonight. We're going to do this in three minutes. If you hurt your body, and you hurt your bloodstream, and you hurt your memory or your mind, if you did anything through the life you lived and the choices you made, and you introduce something into your life that's less than wholeness because of the choices you made, because of the things you did. You got an STD. You got something in your body. You got hepatitis. You hurt your organs, your liver, your kidneys. You, you have short-term memory loss. Your mind doesn't focus because of overdosing or because of just getting blitzed one night and you've just never been the same since. And you know that. I got good news for you. He's a redeemer. He makes all things new. He restores you. If, if you've been a cutter, if you were a cutter and you marked your skin in a dark season just trying to feel and just trying and you were lost and you were numb and it was dark and, and you just would just slice yourself just to, and you got yourself marked up. I'm telling you, these things can change tonight. We're going to pray. He's a redeemer. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. If any man's in Christ, he's a new creation. Here's the deal. You can never change where you've been. You can never change what you've done. But who you are can change. And when who you are changes, you will never be judged for where you've been and what you've done. When you stand before the Lord, He will never bring up where you've been. He'll bring up what you've become. So if God will never judge you, why is where you've been judging you? If old things pass away and all things become new, then why is yesterday have such a voice in our flesh? Thessalonians said, spirit, soul, body, blameless till he comes. So if you're sitting there right now and you're carrying a mark from yesterday in your body, I want you in your heart right now to believe God loves you and forgives you of everything you've ever done. And I want you to whisper out in your heart, Thank you, Father, for forgiving me, and thank you for loving me. Thank you. You will never judge me for where I've been. You will judge me for what I've become through your son. Tell him that right now in your heart. And I want you to say this. Thank you for moving, removing, removing that mark from yesterday. Because today is new life through Jesus Christ. Father, I pray right now for everyone in this room qualifies that enters into this thing we're talking about. I thank you for redemption all through this room. I thank you that you clean bloodstreams, that you heal organs, that you take scars away and put new skin where scars were, God, that you take burn marks and cigarette butt burns off of people, off of young ladies' legs, off of people's arms, God, off of their bellies, God. I pray that you bring new skin right now. I pray that you clean bloodstreams and take every disease. I pray that you restore minds and souls. I pray that you treat us in such a way of redemption through the blood of Jesus that we stand in front of you as if we've never sinned, God, spirit, soul, and body, as if we've never lived inappropriate. I thank you for complete redemption and wholeness all through this house. And I thank you for fruit. I thank you for the results. I thank you that blood tests will show that thing is not there. I thank you, God, that you make all things new. That man that couldn't concentrate. I thank you, God, he can concentrate. That, that person that couldn't remember like they used to, I thank you, it just gets clear again, God. I just thank you there's no more static. I thank you there's no more fog. I thank you you're restoring people right now because you're good. I speak redemption over the people in this house in the authority of Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. You want clothes or anything? Or you want to say anything? Clothes? I mean... We got church tomorrow. You got anything you need to say or
Well, no, yay, what? No. You all right? I ain't asking you to preach, Pastor. <laughs> what time's your service tomorrow? 9 a.m. and 10.30. Okay, if you don't have a home church, you're welcome. Go to your home church if you, if you have a home church. Go represent there. You've been here tonight. I gave you a lot tonight. You can run well with this, can't you? Here's, here's my heart for us, guys, that this would never just be a service, that this is a true pruning and training ground and an equipping ground stirring us for loving good works, and that because we came, we're empowered to walk out of here and look just a little bit more like Him than when we came. That would be a good result. Amen? So go and love one another. Bless you. Love you. See ya.